Welcome to the podcast. This is Take Note. Uh, this is our, our little uh, effort to uh, put a little something out in the world, record little stuff from our lives, uh, and read it to each other and talk about other things like notebooks and pens and paper and stuff. And I do it with Adam. Hello, Adam. Hello, Ted. Make no big plans. Make little podcasts. <laughs> D- done. Um Mechanical keyboard update. I know uh, you're desperate for for information on that front. Uh, turns out that people returning to the office <laughs> after several years <laughs> plus uh, fancy mechanical keyboard don't don't mix too well. So my little Xanadu of clicky clackiness uh, there in my my home away from home was short lived. Uh, Chucked it back here, where I don't really use it anymore. Well, that's fantastic that it's done. It's dead already. Two episodes later. <laughs> um, I still wh- love it. It's not for lack of passion. What feedback did you get about the mechanical keyboard at work? You know, nobody even said anything. I just I felt cripplingly self-conscious. I, live, I work in an open office with very little distance between myself and uh, my coworkers, so... I couldn't even bring myself to try because I would just be thinking about that the whole time. Even if they were polite and never said anything, I, I just couldn't even live with myself. So I think that's an overreaction. And I'm going to give you the same advice I gave you the last time we talked about mechanical keyboards. Type harder. <laughs> when in doubt, type harder. Uh, every episode we... We find something that we've written down in the last little bit of time, and we read it to each other. Uh, we ask each other, what do you got? Uh, what do you got? Um, All right. At CarMax tonight, and it was tonight, um, I walked up to Agnes, who was collecting info for my appraisal and estimate. Agnes, One- the Subaru Outback. You, you <laughs> locked headlights with her, and it was love at first sight. <laughs> yes. Yes, it was. Uh, actually, yes, it was. Um, <laughs> so uh, she was collecting the information for my appraisal and my estimate. And once she heard that I had a lease, uh, she showed me on her clipboard where it said that Acura was among the manufacturers that they could not buy from. I'm sorry, says Agnes. Acura is playing games with you. I thought that might be the case, I said. I'd I'd had, like, a sneaking suspicion. And she said, they know that they've made it so that we can't buy the car from from them, and that you have to flip the title, but that will take you a month. When you do, we will pay you much more than them, and they know that. I I, I sensed truth. I believed in Agnes, because, like I said, Hmm. I had this sort of sneaking suspicion. And I said, I'm going in there tomorrow bringing a check and I'm just buying it out from them and she says go in with confidence at which point Uh I I put my hand on my heart and I thanked her so it was it was um it was a very charming and very sincere um and uh yeah it was love at first sight just like you said Ted Agnes sounds like an amazing person she was she really was I mean she could be selling used cars, or she could be life coaching, or, or I don't know. I feel like she would bring that same energy to whatever she was doing. Yeah, I was amused um, 
I, I was, <laughs> I really appreciated it, but I was also amused that I felt like she had looked right through me and saw that I had no confidence. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but Jennifer, my wife said, she's like, no, that's everybody needs that advice when walking into a car dealership. So she was just telling you, you know, go in with confidence like she would tell anyone. Well, uh, the line Acura is playing games They're playing with you games. is pretty, yeah. pretty solid. Yes. That's a strong word. Yes. Yes. What do you got, Ted? Uh, this is a, a quickie. Uh, this is actually from a little stack of field notes paper. No, not even field notes. Public supply, it looks like, because they've got it in the bottom right corner. Uh, that was just randomly sitting on my desk. Clearly, I had cleared out some some old stash and had have yet to tuck this away. Part of the notes are on a Jacques Cousteau documentary that uh, that I think I went on to adapt to a, a, sh- a short story. Might even have been some flash fiction, which is, is probably a long time ago. Uh, but there was another little random note. Um, overheard at work out of the blue and this was probably four or five years ago uh, so have any of you heard of pop-up weddings <laughs> that's it that's all i got do you were pop-up weddings a thing I, I couldn't even as i was rereading this i couldn't even think of what a pop-up wedding would even be i think i might have had a pop-up wedding but you might have had a pop-up yeah. wedding it was fun. It was a good pop-up, pop. though. I, mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with a pop-up I sent you an Evite about 11 days before <laughs> it happened, I think. So. <laughs> and that email just popped right up. Yeah, so right. there you go. Uh, what do you got? Right, well, you know, this one's about dreams because famously everybody likes to hear about other people's dreams. But uh, yep. I don't know. I think there's like a through line to it. This morning, Logan, my 12-year-old, announced that he had had a two-second bad dream. I won a video game, he said. I said, why was that bad? He goes, well, when I woke up, I realized I hadn't won it. Uh, Jennifer <laughs> said that as a child, she often dreamt that she went on shopping sprees, clothes shopping sprees, and then oh, she yeah. woke up and realized she didn't have the clothes. Um, after Logan told us about the, his dream, it was a, a Saturday morning, I fell back asleep for an hour and 90 minutes, and I dreamt that I was at a bank in line with people from my old job and the bank was going to have a holiday or some sort of remembrance to commemorate a robbery years ago no one had been hurt in the robbery but people had suffered from ptsd and i realized in line that i had committed the robbery when i started my new business so in order to get control of the client's bank account i had decided to steal the money i guess um, I woke up feeling absolutely awful until I slowly realized that I hadn't robbed the bank. That's I, you know, that's weird. I, well, I first of all, I like that your your waking experience was uh, quite the opposite of his, where right. he was like, "Son of a gun." Yep. Uh, I no, I have, I recently had a dream. I don't remember the details, but uh, I was with a, a dear old friend of mine. And uh, he was, like, taking me on a crime spree. Uh, I think robbing, like, Wawa convenience stores or something. Uh, and it was really, really pretty awful. And I woke up and had that maybe 
five minutes of just extreme discomfort. Uh, yeah, that crummy feeling like it had all happened. And, yeah. And then just shaking it off slowly. But it doesn't happen to me often, which is, it's odd that, uh, that uh, maybe, uh, what is uh, Jupiter in the uh, the fourth ascending quadrant or it, on twitter mercury's in retrograde i don't know if that's what's going on in real life though i feel like that's a pretty good way to just if anything if you're annoyed with anything you just throw that out there i could be wrong i am wrong i'm sure no mercury's in retrograde you got you got one more for me ted what do you got uh okay this is stationary related but a quick note that i jotted down my latest issue trying to remember which fanny pack i left my pencil sharpener in there's that's it there's no uh there's no resolution i'm just trying to share with you uh, what it's like to live inside my head every Uh, every month we get a fanny pack update i think well so uh uh number one fan of the show occasional co-host ryan sly very kindly got me a fanny pack from guatemala they went on a trip to guatemala it's a beautiful compact soft uh, but colorful fabric i love it uh but i said to him and his wife uh well i think when you start buying me fanny packs when you go on a trip that means i'm the fanny pack guy (laughs) uh when people just, when everyone sees a fanny pack and thinks of you, that's where you're at. This should be a fanny pack podcast, except there's <laughs> just not enough fanny pack content with, uh, you know, since Big Fanny won't uh, provide you with... Uh, they won't play. Yeah, they won't play. They won't play the game. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. We're going to talk about routines today. Uh, stationary routines non-stationary routines what gave me this idea was uh we talked about the blog post that we did on writer's advice on keeping a notebook and i shared it on um facebook in the field notes fan group field nuts and uh, got some very nice feedback from everyone a couple of people not having carefully read the um blog post were very resistant to the idea that there were any rules to keeping a notebook. So it, it got me thinking about um, more rules for keeping a notebook and the routines that maybe um, I've tried before, all of which are abandoned. So I have no real like notebook daily routines, but I think we've talked about a few before. And I thought maybe we'd start there and then go to real routines that we keep. And so, I, you know, the 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 most common one that I can think of is the morning pages that um that ideal that you wake up and um before you do anything you open your notebook and you write whatever comes to mind for five minutes or three pages or whatever it is. Have you have you ever tried to stick to that routine, Ted? No, uh that one has never really appealed to me for some reason yeah i i you know i i i like when i sit and write you know kind of journal-esque stuff for for periods but uh it never really has the feel of a routine right i i briefly tried that and i don't know how long it lasted but i did find myself truly writing about 
having just walked the dog or needing to walk the dog, my <laughs> head was just in walk the dog mode. And so my morning pages, you know, there was probably more to it than that. But I just realized I kept uh, writing about walking the dog. And actually, as I say it now, I think that is what inspired the prompts newsletter um, was sort of trying to get out of my own just yeah. writing about the same stupid thing every morning because I was trying to force myself to do these uh, um, these morning pages. So uh, I've never stuck to that. I was never able to stick to something like that. One that I know that we've talked about on the show before was um, inspired by Billy Collins' master class. And he said that one of the things that he does in his notebook is he just makes a list of 10 things that he did that day or maybe he 15 things at 20 things I don't know but he just makes this list of things that he did that day and it just kind of gets his mind moving and he I guess begins to get some sort of idea of something that stuck with him that day that may become a poem do you do anything like that or have you tried anything like that no I mean I think you know when I think about routines in the in the stationary realm it's less about um it's less about writing, to be honest with you. Uh, when I when we did NaNoWriMo, I got into an interesting pattern. I would call that a pattern more than a routine. But, you know, drop the kids at school, come back home, uh, you know, sit down and hammer out writing for an hour before work. Um, and then, you know, kind of keep notes throughout the day. And then the next day, turn around and... and do it all again and try and build there and uh, yeah, that that threatened to be a routine but it was too taxing I mean the I think what's interesting about routines is they're often so aspirational mm -hmm. so oh if only I could maintain this routine then uh, I would finish my novel or or you know how how deeply we fetishize famous writers routines like Ernest Hemingway's kind of you know get up right to, you know, listing the number of words he would write on a given day. And then, you know, at lunchtime goes down to the, you know, Havana banana or whatever it was called and <laughs> drinks 12 daiquiris and get boxes with it at old print. And then the next morning, get you know, it's like uh, there, there's something we see about a routine as being sort of magical or the key to unlocking some, uh, some, uh, unrealized potential right the the great Hemingway routine that I think of is that supposedly when he wrote um a farewell to arms uh he he reread the entire book every morning before he wrote right. whatever the next few pages were all right so as expected and uh as we as advertised we, we do not have any firm notebook routines at the moment um, but I do like, you know, everyone always, I don't know, notebook podcasts, we better bring some no notebook routine content, even if we don't live by them. But uh, so thinking about this, I started to think about the uh, routines that I actually do keep, which have nothing to do with notebooks or stationery. I think you did the same. Um, I'll start, I think I've got two, kind of two and a half. The first one, and this has really been a routine you know, off and on for a while, but I've been pretty dedicated to it for, I would say, two solid months now. But I do the same five-minute yoga video every morning 
It's mm. one of these yoga with Adrian things. I've occasionally tried to do a longer one. That's really not in it. It's not a particularly tough one, but it does. Um, it makes me feel right for most of the day. Like it provides the little stretch that I need. And the other thing that I've noticed is that I mean it's pathetic to frankly acknowledge that any of it was difficult <laughs> for me because it's a real beginner's one. But I'm oh, able always, to, uh, you know. Hard. I'm able to do that like downward dog much better. I've noticed an improvement. And um, I, and I think for me, part of a routine is like finding the thing has to be a short enough time for it to be something that you can actually always do. And so yeah. like, I've fallen off the meditation wagon. I mean, for a while I was doing that for a while. And, you know, I, I got a lot out of that. And we did an episode about that. And I'd love to find the time to get back to it. But this five-minute yoga thing, that's a routine that I can stick to and I've stuck to for, you know, I've been doing it off and on for a long time, but solidly for two months. Well, there was a Zen master who said, uh, if you find you don't have time to meditate for 30 minutes a day, meditate for an hour a day. I think that anecdote is a, is a, a routine on the podcast. I think that may have been mentioned a couple of times. <laughs> Any time I've mentioned that I fell off my meditation routine. You you got a routine, Ted, in addition to telling me that anecdote? Well, some of mine are, um, some of mine are, I guess, practices. I don't know if routine is the right word, but a couple are notebook related, in fact. But I think what you, kind of what you're getting at, which I think I zeroed in on, is it is it has to be that some combination of pragmatic and satisfying both and I mean, for a real routine to kick in, there has to be a combination of necessity and some sort of appeal. But for me, one I thought of uh, is putting a notebook in my back pocket. Um, I, I don't know if it fits quite that definition of a routine, but I am happy that I have elevated that practice to the level of my keys in my wallet if that makes sense. Yep. So, so keys, wallet, notebook, um, is it's now been, I mean, you know, probably most of my life since I was 18 in some form or fashion, but you know, the, the notebook in the back pocket kind of field notes style, probably, you know, a decade or, or something. And, uh, and that makes me happy. And the, you know, it's, but it is that combo of, it's very, I like to have it there. It's practical. I like to write things down. Um, but I'm also happy with how it makes me feel and what it adds to my life. And and then there's a little neuroses where I've even gotten, I you know, it's like if I forget my notebook, I will fold up some paper and stick it in my back pocket. Nice. Even if I have no plans, no plans on writing anything. It's, um, it's that little triangulation of... Uh, of creating a little mental dependency. You know, I've got a friend of mine who's in really good shape. And what, um, you mean what me I've noticed from the morning yoga? <laughs> what I've noticed is for him exercise, you know, is almost that same triangulation. He he can't he he his day's not complete without it to the point of um he makes it happen no matter what, which I'm, I've always been quite impressed with. And he's just found that thing where the benefit and the, the desire and, you know, probably a little neuroses mixed in 
um, pushes him pushes him to it. I've got another one that is a, a combination of neuroses, a little bit of exercise, and uh, and caffeine addiction, and um, <laughs> so this is this one really started with the pandemic, but um, not a day goes by where I don't walk uh, a mile to a mile and a half to my coffee shop get a coffee and walk a mile and a mile and a half back and it is the um it is you know one of the best parts of my day very satisfying and very you know maybe that's something that i'm doing instead of meditation yeah maybe i don't know yeah i feel like i'm kind of full of it there but um but it's (laughs) it has it has since expanded and this is what i thought of um that's an afternoon walk now but now at at 10 o'clock i take a very short walk to the little coffee shop um, next to my office for the smallest cappuccino I can buy. Um, and that has turned into, I'm doing both of those every day now, um, which I realize is just my, you know, my new routine is caffeine addiction, but, um, but I share them because it is, um, really, really satisfying. And there is something at the, at the little coffee shop by my office, you know, I mean, it's, um, I know people's names. They all know me and my tiny cappuccino. They talk to me about it. I mean, there is a, there's a sense of community in it, too. And I get that in my afternoon walk. I mean, part of the reason I do my afternoon walk is because um, I feel like that little coffee shop would uh, wonder where I was if I stopped showing up every day after two, yeah. three years. So uh, I don't know. There's, there, there's, there's silly, dumb things, um, but, uh, but I share them on the podcast because they bring me tremendous amount of joy. Well, I mean, I think you you hit on uh, the idea of someone else being playing a role in your routine as well. Yep. Which uh, I think does lean into that idea of community and interconnectivity, and you know, I'd argue it's not just about the caffeine addiction; it's about the the beginning, the middle, and the end. <clears throat> you know, you get to you get to know that you got a walk coming up and that you'll feel good about that. You get to know that you'll connect. You get to know that you get a little caffeine. Um, and there's a lot of uh, brain cells being nourished in, in that process. I, um, so you just reminded me when you said brain cells being nourished. Um, you may not be surprised to know that I overthink these walks. Um, and in my afternoon walk, I will sometimes puzzle over whether it is better to walk the exact same route every day and notice mm. as things slowly change or should you mix it up and um, and take a slightly different route and see something different and explore <laughs> the world, yeah. by which I mean a different block. Um, anyway, it just it amuses a... me. I'll catch myself yeah. thinking something like that and I'll realize like what a... Um, ridiculous but satisfying sort of like test you can give yourself for like any scenario right you can you can puzzle over something that really doesn't matter at all there is no right or wrong to whether you take the same route every day or whether you break it up um but if if you want to you can make like a little if your brain works this way you can make a little puzzle to solve out of anything what makes me think of uh the book how to do nothing in which the writer more or less uh, or makes makes a mental exercise of going and sort of sitting on a park bench and mm-hmm. 
and and seeing what she can learn. And then I, you know, I think too about a. There was a guest on. Uh, I think it was either the Splendid Table or Milk Street, whatever that radio show is, um, talking about plants and foraging. And they they made an interesting point about. Uh, you know, once you recognize a plant in your neighborhood, you start to learn the different facets of that plant. That that a plant is different in the fall than it is in the spring, than it is in the summer, and you start to have a more a fuller view of that plant. Uh, which I think, in a way, is an argument in favor of walking the same route every day, but attuning yourself to. Uh, noticing things that you could only notice if you walked that route every day. Of course, there's a, just as good an argument for uh, exploring new paths. I um, I'm laughing because I've really got us down like a just ridiculous route, and so you know, thank you for helping. Well, and I apologize to is, our listeners, but um, it, it. I mean, is a routine not at its core kind of a, a practice of the absurd? Maybe. I I have. I, mean, I think you could argue that. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess so. I mean, I think I I would have to be in a place to be able to do um. Uh, to, to really take that question seriously, but I've just <laughs> I've just started. Well, you're very, remembering you're very critical. <laughs> no, you're I'm very not critical of this very simple activity that you take a great deal of pleasure in and that harms no one and in no, fact helps you. I'm I'm laughing. I'm laughing at myself. I think it is absurd. Um, I don't know if they're all absurd or if I make them absurd, but what, what has amused me is that I realized as you were, you know, making that really good connection to how to do nothing, which may have been where the entire routine came from, because we read that book and talked about it on the show, I think just before the pandemic started. But um, I realized that in my overthinking and in my <laughs> um, thinking of... <laughs> you know, occasionally just asking myself on the walk, well, should I go the same way or should I change the route? Um, and really it's, it's not, um, coming to a decision that brings me any satisfaction. It's just the asking the question. But I did think the other day, like I should just stay on the same route, but I should start looking in people's windows a lot more. <laughs> like in seriously, like I've pegged, there's new condos that have come up and, uh, and none of them have window shades. And I really was like, you know, I am doing myself, and I sincerely thought this, I am doing myself a disservice if I do not start really studying what's going on inside those open windows. Yeah, a service is how I would also describe that. And I'm sure that's how the that's how the uh, the local police force would, that's right. would consider. That's right. Do you have... Well, the the other i mean the, the the routine that really struck me uh was this podcast oh i mean right but you know seriously yeah no i know um, yeah you're right we you and i sit down you know it's not the most routineest of routines um you know it's we, we're not publishing this thing every thursday at 6 p.m but uh you know more or less every week you and I sit down, we call each other on the telephone from across the country, and uh, we talk about which way you're going to walk to the coffee shop. <laughs> and, you know, I think this, this the routineness of it, um, I, I mean, I'm not exaggerating when I say I think it's deepened our friendship in a way that uh, that I wouldn't even have 
known really was possible and because you know we hold each other uh, accountable we push each other to to keep it going and to uh, to push through when it gets a little tougher and to to keep moving forward this thing that I think we both recognize has come to hold this value not just because of whatever we might spit out at the end of it but because it is a routine that no. it uh, that it is something we know we're going to keep doing and it's it's mutual and I think that's another kind of routine um, when when two or more people agree on that routine I think it takes on a a new meaning in and of itself. I agree. And I think that's wonderful, but I, you know, I have to be honest, I am sticking on the fact that you, your routine was this, um, uh, meditation on our friendship. And, uh, while I was trying to get you to adjudicate whether I can be a peeping Tom, <laughs> let's do this again next week. Adam, what do you say? Hold on one second. I'm just looking in the neighbor's window. Oh, I don't. Oh, this is good. Is it Fox News or MSNBC? Yeah. Go. You go ahead. You do your thing. I'm just going to keep watching. All right. Okay. <laughs> uh, you can find us on the internet at takenote.space. It doesn't sound like a website, but it is. And there's lots of really good content over there. Dig into the blog section. Dig into the web vault. Uh, and I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make a request. I don't know why. It just feels like the right thing to do. But uh, give us a star rating in one of these various podcatcher apps. I don't know if we've ever asked you to do that in all 140 some odd episodes. But it doesn't uh, feel right when we do it. <laughs> it's fun to see those, and we I mean, let us know what you think. We'll read them, and I don't know, give us some feedback. Um, we're on Twitter at twitter.com slash take note pod uh if you if you journey to the website sign up for our occasional newsletter occasional but uh, we did two, uh, but it just two two newsletters in 2021 <laughs> it gives us a way to get in touch with you and and uh add a little more texture to uh to these conversations so uh so sign up there and in the meantime take care Is, okay. Is the poet Billy Collins or Billy Connolly? Keep screwing Billy this up. Collins. Okay. Thanks. Now I screwed up last month too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Three, two, one.